0: it is matt mosley and uh, we are coming to you live from the baylor club what a beautiful venue all the amenities you can imagine john morris was here earlier now we got the matt mosley show we got some baylor media availability happening later and uh, we got a lot of good stuff going on big things coming up in april the uh the easter uh, lunch can be right here at the Baylor Club, of course, on Sunday the 17th. Now, joining us from the Rivals network and the Rivals, uh, the newsroom that he likes to slip into sometimes when he's breaking news and talking about news is Kevin Longquist. And uh, Kevin, I I was uh, enjoying your coverage of Pro Day. You know, it was killing me. I had... uh, a medical, um, uh, long-standing appointment I had to go to, but I love Pro Day, and I, I first of all just have to ask you how different you've been to some of these in the past. I went to the mm-hmm. one a year or two ago, and it was, it was just kind of sad. I mean, it just what there wasn't much going on, and there just weren't really, um, you know, any prospects around um right. how did what did this one feel like how did it compare to some of the others you've been to
1: uh for for sure drastically different and it kind of helps too when uh, you're coming off a record setting season number five ranking big 12 championship sugar bowl championship and you had some pretty good players uh to present as well and you know the fact that they had 14 of those and the surprise of course was uh, john lovett uh who uh, came back from penn state to uh, compete in uh pro day but I think all in all, you know, the guys who were, if you will, draft-worthy, like Jalen Petrie, uh, Terrell Bernard, uh, Abram Smith, those guys you know, didn't do anything, I think, to hurt their position. Uh, perhaps Tristan Edner helped himself a little bit. But by and large, the, the remaining of those guys, like a Raleigh Texata or Jer- Jeron McVeigh, or perhaps uh, maybe John Carlo Valentin, they understand their reality here. Uh, Matt and the fact that they know they're probably not going to get drafted. What they're looking for is the potential of an undrafted free agent signing, or at least an invite to a summer camp, or maybe a camp in May or something like that, to at least get out there and show what they can do. Um, I think the one guy who maybe kind of struggled a little bit was uh, JT Woods. Uh, there just just didn't have a very good day, unfortunately. A couple things he did okay, but just you know in the skills competition. Uh, he kind of struggled there the guy i thought who did really really well uh who really helped himself if you will of those draftable guys i actually thought terrell uh, had a really good day
0: yeah that's interesting to me because terrell i don't think we thought he was gonna just set the world on fire in the 40 i think he ran about a four five eight four six one 4.61. Yeah, I mean, that's not.
1: Guys, but a lot of guys run that time too, Matt. So let's not lose perspective here on what linebackers run.
0: I have lost perspective because there are linebackers now. Uh, you know, uh, Micah Parsons and others have completely sort of changed the way uh, we look at things. And again, I was going on to praise him before you uh, cut me off there, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> the the. But I mean, I I think for some players. It is still about turning on the tape and sure. seeing for that years how he diagnoses things. He's obviously an incredible leader. Um, I, I I find it really that I, I think people are still getting their arms around what Petrie is because he we saw him turn into the best player for Baylor. Period. I mean, he just sure. was flat out the best, and mm-hmm. and he and he made huge plays. And it's just not – sometimes players are cut and dry. This guy's a cover – you know, this guy's a cover corner. This guy's Mm going to be good in a slot. Um, I think teams may not all agree on exactly what Petrie is. But uh, I I don't think he – as you said, he's not done anything to hurt himself. And I think Petrie's story is so remarkable uh, from an intangibles standpoint he can only help himself. Some of these guys, you're just like, just do an interview with him, and he's going to be, he's going to be fine. What did, um, what, what do you think, what do you think teams are thinking about Petrie? And I, I, I know he's being projected as probably a second-round player, but, but what, what do you see him as in the, in the NFL as opposed to what he became in the, in college?
1: Well, I think matt that he's probably going to be a nickelback you know a guy that they'll bring in when a lot because you're seeing a lot because the nfl has turned into such a passing league as you well know that a lot more teams are going with a lot of nickel packages uh, ex- exclusively in possessions what are we what can we say here matt you you can you know the numbers far better than i do but wasn't there like a stat that like nickel packages were used at least half the time uh by by defenses in the league, or something like that, or at least I, I think I saw something. Yeah,
0: that. But, yeah, maybe but even the, more than half.
1: Yeah, but and so the point is, is that because the NFL is such a passing league, is that you need guys who can obviously are great cover guys, and you need and you need speed on the perimeter, but you also need a guy that you can bring off the edge, or you can you can hide him and make and you can blitz him because keep in mind Jalen can make a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, obviously, we, you know he caught fire as we all know with the back-to-back pick sixes in 2020 uh, at Iowa State and at Texas Tech, and then he didn't do anything to hurt his position. Uh, you know, it's you're interesting. It's really interesting because you, know, you mentioned second round pick, and I think that's fair. He's going to go first of all the Baylor uh, prospects that are out there, and then I think maybe Bernard will go day three. And then I think Abram has a chance to slip in there and go day three as well, maybe like seventh round or something like that. Um, but I think with Jalen, I, I think the more that Jalen performs interviews, if he gets any private workouts, because some clubs just really want to get a sense as to where could we fit this guy as a nickel, which is what I think he's going to be if it, at some point. Uh, do we want to use a first-round pick on on a guy like that, or toward the end? You know, that's really going to be the chicken and egg discussion about him because he's going to get a pretty good contract even if he goes in the second round. I'd be really stunned if he falls below the second round. I really would.
0: Okay, and boy, I love the Tejada goes out there and runs a four-four-zero, and yeah. uh, I, you know, he's. 37-inch vertical, he put on a little muscle. I think you're right. I think he's just got to catch on with with whichever team because he wants to keep playing. But, uh, right. you know, his career did not end like he wanted. But, um, you know, he, he persevered, and he made a lot of big plays for the Bears over the years. So I love getting mm-hmm. seeing guys like that um, get highlighted. Let me switch gears with you uh, for just a minute. Sure. Uh, Kendall Brown, uh, talking to Kevin Longquist from Rivals, Kendall Brown comes out and announces he's leaving. There seems to be some buzz around campus, I'm over here today, that, you know, maybe there's a way Sohan stays. And I've tried to tell people, come on, guys. I mean, he's he's being projected at number nine overall. You, you just don't. You can't. I mean, Baylor has to almost tell him or force him to go. Um Although, you know, if he desperately wanted to stay, I'm sure they wouldn't, like, you know, turn him down. Um, do, 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 yeah. Do, when you when you hear things like this, though, do you just think, ah, that's just wishful thinking for people? I just find that really interesting that Kendall didn't even really give it much thought. He's yeah. gone. I, He's out. There's and, of, yeah, there are two lines of thought
1: here. Let, let's start with Kendall first, just I think the moment that he signed with Baylor, that he had it in his mind, I'm playing one year, and it doesn't really matter how I play. Of course, I want to play as well as I can and improve and that sort of thing so I can get ready. But, you know, he was oozing with talent, and his ceiling, in my judgment, is higher than Sohan, and he was going to come out regardless. There wasn't any doubt in my mind that there was going to be any, well, you know, kind of thing from him. As far as Sohan is concerned, although I think Jeremy – had a better season than Kendall, and I think his game developed further uh, than Kendall's this year. You know, to your point, you said number nine. I mean, I've seen projections anywhere between 15 and 20. It doesn't matter. I mean, you're gonna get if you're picked in the first round and you're being told you're gonna get a guaranteed contract for three years of what, Matt, is it like 25, 26 million or whatever that is? Mm-hmm. And you're gonna say and you're gonna say no to that, that's really hard. Now if there was this now, if there were further evaluations, you know, he's got a few more weeks before he has to make a decision on this. But if there's a – and I know he – and my understanding is he comes from a family that, you know, it's in a pretty, uh, pretty good situation there overall. But the situation w- with, with Jeremy is, though he has to look at this and say, is it going to get any better? Could my game use development, that sort of thing, or do I want to go to the NBA now? And that's a real – for him or, or anybody else – If I'm going to go, if I, if NBA evaluators are telling me, yeah, you're probably going to go between X and X, I'm out of here. Um, And if it's, but if he loves college to the point where he doesn't feel pressure to make the decision, if he wants to come back, bully for him. It's going to be win-win for him either way, because if he comes back, he obviously makes the lineup better. And then he also takes some of the pressure off the young, you know, the three guys that are coming in like Keontae George and Dylan Hunter, But if he goes, then it creates opportunity for those guys to play. And of course, you know, LJ Cryer coming back. I mean, that, that all transcends and and melds together. So either way, it's going to be a good decision for him. But again, as we always talk about, there's that risk of injury. So if he steps on somebody's foot and his ankle and he has some sort of non-contact injury or whatever, that could, that could change things for him. So there's a lot of things for him to weigh. And it's, it's good to be Jeremy Sohan right now.
0: Yeah, the people are going to be buying stock on him, and there's an edge to his game that I think you have to love. And, uh, I, I
1: what he, and I'm sorry, Matt, to interrupt you, but what he did against Armando Bacot, against North Carolina in the second round, just the way that he – because he gave up a lot of size to him, and the way that he went nose-to-nose nose with him, game – from a mental standpoint, physical standpoint, and then when they got a little chippy with each other, you know, that sort of thing. I think that told NBA scouts we've got a real competitor here on our hands, and I think that really helped him.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, fascinating to to see which way this thing goes. We'll see yeah. what James Akinjo, what he's able to, uh, to do. Uh, James is, uh, uh, you know, I think James, he's so well-traveled, that I think in his mind it's like, you know what, I I totally get this. they're they're just sometimes you've got to move on. And, yeah, well, and since
1: he declared, you know, since he declared yesterday, Matt, I mean the thing for him is that I think it was time for him to go like you said, well traveled, he's been in three different spots, Georgetown, Arizona and of course Baylor. And I think it's time for him to just do something different. And whether whether or not he gets a spot in the NBA or if he goes overseas or the G League or something like that, it's probably the best thing for him.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I think that's accurate, and uh, there's already NBA teams that, um, that know about Keontae George, and he's a guy from the Metroplex, and so that'll be, uh, that'll be really fun to see how all that plays out. Who are you, uh, uh, Kevin, this is the last time I'll get to visit with you before the Final Four starts up. Are you rooting for the great Coach K, the storyline of all storylines in his last ride, to win it all, are you rooting for the team that beat Baylor, UNC? Uh, this is an interesting because you have four blue bloods. Some people might argue about, uh, uh, you know, about Villanova, but I think they're there at this point. Um, yeah. or, or do you root for the Big 12 team? I'm, I might find myself for the Big 12. We, I guess, we should be rooting for Kansas, but I don't. That's not like a natural thing for me. I don't think right. I, I. don't think I immediately wake up like, oh my gosh, I hope Kansas wins it all. I just don't. <laughs> I don't have the ties or the feelings toward them that I might of even like uh, Tech or TCU or somebody like that that we were right. even that we were even closer to in some ways. Um,
1: I think look at it this way. Um, Well, I know who my my uh, crimson tide is going for. She's a big Coach K fan, so she's going for Duke. Doesn't matter. Um, uh, Actually, uh, to be honest with you, I'm kind of leaning toward North Carolina. Not only because they beat Baylor, but I've always I've always North Carolina has always been that blue blood that maybe even though they've been to what is it now? There's 21st Final Four or something like that. They've always been kind of, I don't want to say living in the shadow of Kentucky and Duke, but they've just kind of gone along doing their thing, been very successful, but they don't get the limelight on them like Duke, Kentucky, or Kansas do to some respect, uh, even though they've been a, an excellent program. I kind of lean toward UNC just because I think they're playing so darn hot. I think it's a great, what I do, th- what I am a big fan of is the fact that Coach K in North Carolina gets to do it one more time and it's kind of like the rubber match. It's kind of like, Apropos that they would see each other one more time because of the great rivalry, and the other point too, Matt, is as like you said, it, even though Baylor's not there, which is disappointing for all of us, it's an outstanding Final Four with two big, or excuse me, with four big names in there. And I'll, I'll grant you, I think Villanova, uh, with their seventh trip to the Final Four, is a blue blood. And no, you want to see Kansas uh, do well, but for me personally, I'm just kind of leaning toward UNC.
0: All right, all right, that'll be interesting, and, um, and the, those teams, uh, one, of the, one of the great rivalries in all of college sports, and the fact that uh, Coach K, his 13th uh, Final Four, Hubert's been to one, but, uh, but, you know, these coaches will not be out there, they'll be, uh, they'll be you know, it, it, I think it's going to be really, really fun. All right, Kevin, sure. always great to visit with you. Have a tremendous weekend, and we will talk to you soon.
1: All right, Matt, you do the same. Thanks for having me.
0: You bet. There he goes. Kevin Longquist, our our, uh, our rivals expert and a man who was all over pro day. It was good to have him right in the mix there on that front.